Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Big plans for the new year? Yep. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. Hell yeah. Showcase your work, blog, or publish content. Or podcast. Even sell po- <laughs> Even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. All of our websites are from Squarespace. 100%. We have like eight websites that are all on Squarespace. I love Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CWO. CWO. To save 10% off your first purchase Do of it. a website or domain. Madison Reed. It's the hair color that's revolutionizing the way women color their hair with gorgeous. Gorgeous! Salon quality. Multi-dimensional hair color delivered to your door on your, your schedule. Door. Join the hundreds of thousands of women just like me. Like you! Who have tried and who love, love. Madison Reed. Visit madison-reed.com and get 10%, 10% off. 10%! Plus free shipping on your first color kit. But you have to use the promo code Crime writers. Was oh, that new? That's a new code. Yes, it's a new code. Thank crime. you for not yelling for a second and responding. It is a new code. Crime writers. Crime writers. With One a, word. With a new w. code. Madison reed.com and use the promo code Crime, crime writers. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about other podcasts and also about true crime, pop culture, journalism. And this week, we hope to shed some light on Dark, the series hailed as the German Stranger Things from Netflix. Also, we'll talk about why we've changed our view, maybe, and we'll offer an apology, maybe, to one of America's most divisive media figures. Joining me to dive into all of that is my true crime co-author, real life husband, fellow married with podcast podcaster, and host of These Are Their Stories, the Law and Order podcast, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Guten Tag, Rebecca. Also with us is journalist, true crime author, licensed private investigator, former defense investigator, certified cat lady, and almost certified icebound warden of the North. Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little hairy out there today on my bobsled run out in my driveway, especially when all the trees started melting and it was like getting shot by pellets of ice. Yes. Very fun. The trees were making noises today, guys. They were making noises. Yeah. For our listeners who don't know what we're talking about, we had a bit of an ice situation here. 
the kind of ice situation that many people don't survive, but we all luckily did. <laughs> uh, also with us is the author behind the brilliant City Trilogy of novels and our favorite recently dubbed nice guy, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. V Gates. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Kevin, I hear we announced last week there might be an update on the naming rights of Studio C this week. I hear we actually have uh, a name for the studio formerly known as Studio C? Yeah. Uh, we started telling you last time about our super fan and good listener, Alyssa. She lives in Mississippi, and she's a yoga she's instructor. Uh, she, yeah, she uh, is uh, an academic as well, and she's a great fan and wanted to see if she could do uh, the studio name rights, and she wanted to do something fun, and we thought, let's do something for her as well. So uh, this is going to be the, the new name for Studio C. Uh, is this the permanent name, or just until she relinquishes the rights? This, until I she... think it's. I think we need to make that clear because it's a mouthful. It is. We are now going to be known as the Yoga Loft Above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what your premium Patreon sponsorship gets you. There you go. Pretty much, we name our studio anything you want us to, which is why we are now officially recording this podcast in the. Yoga Loft Above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, next week on the show, uh, we are going to be talking about the TNT much-marketed series, The Alienist. A couple of episodes will be out by next week. And we're also going to talk uh, briefly about a new podcast experience. It's just come out from Panoply. It is topping the charts. It's very different. It's called The Walk. Uh, that is not homework. That is just a forewarning of what we're going to be discussing next week. So you can choose to watch and listen to that, or you can just know in advance what we're going to be doing. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. So, Kevin, I want to kick off the podcast this week with a segment that we started, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And I want to bring it back for its second time on the show. Can you read this for me, please? What, what, what did what we learn? So last week we talked a little bit about uh, a very popular podcast in America and we got a lot of feedback about that. Some people loved our conversation about it. Some people didn't love it so much. Uh, the main complaint, I think, was that I played too many clips and it seemed like I was picking on said podcast. But to be fair, I was just playing those clips so that you would hear what it was I was talking about. But Toby, what I learned this week is that I can't win, but you can because I got so many emails and tweets talking about what a nice and generous and positive podcaster you are. So, Toby, I can't win, but you can. What do you think about that? I think it's all about expectation setting, quite honestly. <laughs> what do you mean? When I'm introduced as a cynic in the wet blanket and the naysayer, and then I say something nice, people are like, what? Hold on a second. He's not so bad. Yes. And then when I have a voice that sounds like a cheerleader, and then I get all like down on something. I lose, but you win. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure what I, I I guess I didn't see these things to know what they're referencing. But I guess just because <laughs> I was a little uh, little more forgiving. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you're positive. And I, what I have learned uh, is that I can't win. So congratulations, Toby. Yeah. You well, can win. I'm glad you learned that. Uh, uh, so, woe is you, right? So, Kevin, we have another one of these. Can you read this for me? What, what did what we did learn? So Kevin and I, this week, happened to be watching TV and came across a television commercial that I rewound several times to watch again and again and again, because I am like 80% sure the television commercial was teaching me 
how to commit murder and get away with it. And I just want you guys, Laura and Toby, to listen to uh, a piece of audio from this television commercial for a sleep aid called Belsamra. And tell me if you take away the same thing I took away from that. Helps patients fall asleep faster and sleep more throughout the night. Do not take Belsamra if you have narcolepsy. When taking Belsamra, don't drive or operate heavy machinery until you feel fully awake. Wait for it. Walking, eating, driving, or engaging in other activities while asleep without remembering it the next day have been reported. Abnormal <laughs> behaviors may include aggressiveness, confusion, agitation, or hallucinations. The temporary inability to move or talk, known as sleep paralysis, for up to several minutes while you are going to sleep or waking up, and temporary leg weakness have also been reported. <sighs> Ask your doctor about Belsamra. What really strikes me about that ad is um, this is a drug that is telling you you will do things when you sleep and you won't remember them the next day. And some of the side effects you might experience include aggression. Or paralysis. <laughs> or hallucinations. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So you think you can just go and murder somebody and then you'll be like, ah, oh, I was just taking that stuff. I don't, yes. I don't really know what happened. I, I, yeah. I kind of feel like, oh, how many times did we like rewind that side effects? That list is very long. A, yeah. And kind of seems like a recipe. It's sort of like the... Um, <laughs> What is that thing that that bomber's guide? The, the anarchist cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> the anarchist cookbook for homicidal insomniacs. I thought Ambien was bad. I, I, it looks pretty good right about now. It does. That only has that warning. That's like you may have sex and not remember it. <laughs> and, that's right. Yeah, but oh. it doesn't have the other list of warnings. That's true. What's All the right. good of having sex if you don't remember it? Um, <laughs> Ambien. If you slept through it. I don't know. I was trying to remind Kevin. I know there's probably people out there that like have these conditions and are helped are you by certain to medications. For this terrible ad. I am totally apo- <laughs> no. I'm apologizing. No. We're not making fun of people. I have we insomnia. Fun- I legit suffer from I insomnia. Do. I take Benadryl all the time and Nyquil, like candy. I have taken uh, the other one, the sex forgetting one. I have taken Xanax to help. I've taken all the things to help sleep. Rebecca, you got you got to take melatonin. You yes, know- I have taken melatonin. Yes, melatonin's yeah, the only thing that's ever worked for me. Rebecca, you've mm. been on Twitter. Yeah. You know people don't like you. <laughs> I'm just trying I to can't save win. you. I can't I'm just win. trying to save you here. <laughs> it also days. makes you aggressive, and paralyzed, <laughs> and hallucinate. Right. All at the same time, it's like that's a real bad trip. I'd rather be awake. It's like an alien abduction. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> More. I'd kill you if I could move. <laughs> All right, so Kevin, we have one more of these. Can you read this again? Once again for me. What, what did we learn? All right, so another thing we heard a whole lot about this week, about our latest podcast from our listeners, is that while we were sincere in our assessment of the show, many of you thought we were unduly critical of the series and its star. Many people came to the defense of a person who they found to be a beloved media figure. After much soul-searching, we maybe agree we may have not fully appreciated the quality of this figure's journalism and his unique storytelling voice, and we may have been too quick to dismiss his body of work. And, of course, who we're talking about is Keith Morrison, the correspondent for Dateline, Mm -hmm. NBC. Exactly. We did not know just how many people it was who not only enjoy but love this horrible Friday News Magazine exactly because of what it is. So 
This is a subculture I learned about this week. A lot of people reached out on Facebook, on Twitter, by email. And I was sent a little bit of a tip that there were experts in this field, like two particular experts from the podcasting realm. So um, I reached out to them. And uh, let's just listen to what that conversation sounded like. Hi, everybody. I'm Kimberly. And I'm Katie. And uh, our podcast is called A Date with Dateline, and it's a snarky recap of Dateline NBC episodes. Now, last week on my show, we talked about the same Dateline episode that you talked about on the most recent episode of your show, A Date with Dateline. I know that because some listeners pointed me to your show, and I checked it out, and I loved it. Uh, And it was the episode about Dirty John. Yes. Uh, We... um, just kind of talked a little bit about Dateline as a product. And I'll be honest, I was a little bit ignorant of the cult of Dateline that exists out there in the world. <laughs> and I've just kind of <laughs> fallen into it. Shame on you. <laughs> I was just wondering if you guys could respond to a couple of the criticisms I made and my fellow podcasters made on our show. Um, what would you say to my husband and fellow podcasters, Kevin's remark that um, Keith Morrison looks like a character that would be drawn as Keith Morrison on South Park? I think that's valid. Someone <laughs> just did a side by side on Twitter of him with this long faced Muppet character. <laughs> and I saw a strong comparison there. I think he knows He's kind of a caricature of himself, and I think he plays into that, and he's kind of winking at the audience whenever he says something. He's kind of giving them a little wink, like, I know you liked that. So when you guys watch Dateline, what do you see? Like, what do you what do you get from it that maybe like a newbie to Dateline and the culture around Dateline doesn't get? So a newbie doesn't have a relationship with the host. Mm. Like the people who have just loved it for years. So you almost feel like Keith and Andrea and Dennis and Josh are kind of like your uncles <laughs> slash old friends slash kind of people you want to be, so people you want to emulate. They just have this sort of magicalness to them, and it's but it's an acquired thing. It's something that you learn to love after a long time, and you can start to see who, you know, which interviews they're having fun with and which they absolutely are not. Mm. And then they get sort of in the social media game a little bit, which makes it even more fun. Kim, can you describe some of the segments you have on your show? Uh, I really enjoy the way you sort of broke the show up this week, and I'm wondering if that's what you always do. Yes. So we always do a recap. So Deborah lives in Orange County. She has two grown daughters who vet every guy she meets. We only meet one of the daughters. She's very suspicious. And the daughter's name is Tara. And I want to call her... Barbie. Can't say that. Why not? Because it's not her fault. Okay, so... But yes, it's true. We tend to veer about 5,000 times during the recap into our own lives, odd things that have nothing to do with the recap. Can he just come and talk about my life? I want... I feel like my daily life would be more exciting. Yeah, yeah, she went to the fridge. Mm -hmm. Would there be milk? (laughs) And if not, could she find the energy to go to the store? Is she forgetting she's lactose intolerant? Yes. <laughs> this could be a dangerous combination. <laughs> and then we somehow bring it back to the recap. And then we do a fashion police, a Joan Rivers fashion police segment, where we analyze the questionable facial hair 
and crispy bangs situation that you sometimes have and the outfits we have seen like if the the non-newbies won't know josh mankowitz is famous for his little pocket square his we call them mankies hankies and so he switches the colors around a lot and the colors might mean something they do well we think there's a code (laughs) We think he's telling us something. And then Andrea will do kind of like a sea mist greens and blues, like sky blue kind of feel for an episode. And we're like, oh, we know what her mood is. Um, And then we always do alternative theories, who we think did it. Sometimes it's like a child or a dog. We think the dog did it sometimes. We do B-roll bonanza. That's our new one because they have some great B-roll where you see cops doing cop things. So you can tell they're a cop because they have big files on their desks. One of the things I loved about listening to your show on the Dirty John episode of Dateline is you do a little bit of what we do on our show. You guys went kind of deep into the writing. In the beginning was desire, natural human desire for connection, for love. And so she aimed her arrow at that online ocean of intimate strangers. So Deborah has the arrow, but Cupid has the arrow. You don't shoot your own arrow. I feel like we could have gone towards people. No. You want to win. O- I'm so confused. I feel like we should have gone with a full ocean analogy. I feel like we should have opened with in the beautiful waters of Newport Beach, California, someone looking for love, blah, 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 then turns her gaze to the ocean of the online. Right? Right. Because but you, Cupid's if not I mentioned. want to get a boyfriend, right. I don't take arrows out of my quiver no. and shoot them at men. I would ask the little naked baby, mm-hmm. Cupid, he does the arrow shooting. Cupid does the arrows for you. Yes. I feel like it's a, it's a very confusing metaphor. You are not wrong. I watch SVU religiously. Yes, as do I. It is a terrible mm-hmm terrible trash fire of a show so when i watch it i love it so much (laughs) and i can't tell anymore how much of it is my is ironic and how much of it is genuine like where's the line for me what about you is that was that where you land sometimes yeah (laughs) i would say so and the thing is i was brought into my love of dateline through kimberly because i love to listen to kimberly recap things Mm. i would have her explain entire episodes of SVU or Dateline or 48 Hours, and she would start at the beginning and tell me the whole story, and that's kind of how this podcast formed. Yeah. And so I was like, I think the world needs to understand. And then we would have very in-depth discussions about the meaning of things. Right. But yeah, it is sort of hard to draw that. I see what you're saying. It's not quite as much hate watching as like a Married at First Sight or a 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of enjoyment for me in those two. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Um, but it's. I think it depends on the episode. It depends on the host. And sometimes you just kind of think this is a terrible episode. And sometimes you think, wow, they do some really good storytelling. So I get enjoyment. Sales pitch that. to me as your final challenge here. We were kind of harsh on Dateline NBC and Keith Morrison in particular in our last episode of Crime <laughs> Writers on. Sell me. Is Keith Morrison a national treasure? Should I give this show a second look? Should people like us who like just look the other way, should we become Dateline fans and perhaps make a date with Dateline every week? So, yes, Keith Morrison is a national treasure. How dare you for saying otherwise? (laughs) My parents saw him once at Froyo. And that is everything to me. I think there's the love affair for Keith is strong. He's also, many people do not know this, Matthew Perry from Friends, 
stepdad. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of exciting. I think uh, there's just something about him that no other anchor has. And there's also a video on YouTube of him reading How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and it will move you and delight you. And I think TBS should play it on 24-hour loop instead of Christmas Story every Christmas. All right. What about you, Katie? Uh, my, my case for Keith is, honestly, they don't make him like Keith anymore. When you see <laughs> Keith Morrison on the screen, he brings this kind of fatherly yet panache. Mm. He has this style and swagger about him, which goes along with the Keith Leans on Things Instagram account. He has this way of just sort of being present in the moment and drawing you into the story. And I I don't want to say the other hosts don't do it, but Keith Morrison does it in a way that you want to, again, you want to be friends with him and you also want to be him and you also want to go to a nice dinner with him. But you'd love to just hang out with him at Starbucks. Katie, I described Keith Morrison as appearing to be somewhat like a cult leader when I was making my derisive comments about Dateline, and um, you didn't do much to dispel those thoughts. And you would also be surprised to find out that Keith isn't necessarily our favorite. That's true. He's just a face of Dateline, I think. I think that when people think Mm -hmm. about Dateline, they think about Keith Morrison and his voice and his leather jacket. Sadly, no one thinks of Lester Holt, even though he kind of is the face of Dateline. And he intros every episode with his vests. And no one seems to remember poor Lester Holt. And poor Lester Holt's vest. His vest. (laughs) (laughs) I love the vest. I'm Lester Holt. I've been held hostage inside this vest for three years now. That's right. So thanks again to Kim and Katie, hosts of a date with Dateline. Uh, they have a lot of really fun stuff in their show. The conversation I had with them was a lot longer than what you just heard. They uh, pretend to make up new titles. They do all, they have a Dateline bingo card on their website. And um, this is the kind of podcast, A Date with Dateline. Kevin and I, as I said in the interview, listened to it this weekend. It's like just two people talking about something. It doesn't have like a super lot of production tricks. It doesn't have music. It doesn't have anything. It's the kind of podcast that's like super fun to listen to, like in the car, when you go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's like a companion. And of course, it's very, very specific about this specific, specific genre. So, Lara, is this the first you have heard of this incredible subculture that is the super fan of Dateline NBC? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And and I say, so my husband's cousin used to be a producer for Dateline back before they changed their formula. And so that was like my Dateline experience was more like 60 Minutes, news magazine-y kind of thing. But uh, I had no idea. But there's got to be, there's a culture for everything, I guess. So I shouldn't really be surprised. Yeah. What did you think of uh, Kim and Katie? Did you like them? I did like them. I, I actually um, think I texted you. I said, I'd like to have a cocktail with them. I think they'd be fun to hang out with. Um, <laughs> and, and afterwards, I was, you know, I was sitting, I was like doing something around the house and I'd been listening to an audiobook, and it was just too detailed. So I started listening to this while I was like kind of doing some errands and stuff and it was just kind of fun. Yeah. Um, you know what? If you don't take Dateline too seriously and if you appreciate it for what it is, I could see how you could get into it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all, they're obviously, even though they, their podcast is very tongue in cheek, they're obviously both really bright. And their analysis, yes. while on the surface may seem silly, it actually is quite on point. Toby, what, yes. do you, what do you think of this type of podcast that gets super detailed and into like a really specific subgenre? I think their show is about twice as long as the actual episode that they're talking about. Um, It gets really into that kind of detail. What do you think of this kind of podcast? I mean, I like that kind of stuff if it's about something that I'd like to begin with. (laughs) Um, I think the nice thing about it is that when you're really like that 
like zeroed in on something, like you can get pretty meta about it. Mm -hmm. And my sense is, uh, I guess from listening to that and then maybe talking a little bit to a friend of mine who's also a Keith Morrison aficionado, is that, you know, there's like a, oh, you know, Keith's in a bad mood. Keith's like... (laughs) You know, Keith really likes this person. Keith doesn't trust this person. And uh, and that's the kind of thing that, like, you don't pick up unless you, like, watch hours and hours and hours of it and become, like, sort of attuned to the the little uh, nuances in his, you know, body posture and mm-hmm. tone and stuff. Yep. So I think that's what, that's what makes it kind of fun. Now, we also heard K- Katie and Kim say that they want to be like Keith Morrison. They want to do things with Keith Morrison. They're going to Starbucks with Keith Morrison. Uh, are you sold? That's troubling. <laughs> <laughs> if I saw him having Froyo, I might go over and say hi. Kevin, what do you think of this uh, podcast, this sort of genre of podcast going super deep into something that's cheesy and, and taking it real seriously? Well, I mean, I think there are an awful lot of podcasts that deal with uh, TV shows themselves because each show has its own fan base, and a lot of them also listen to podcasts. So, I mean, we we have a, a podcast like that. It's the uh, the Law and Order podcast, but there are you know you could see like tons of them. Certainly, when like you know the Queen comes on, then there's all these Queen podcasts and uh, Game of Thrones in particular. You mean so, the Crown? Did I say the Queen? Yeah, yeah, the Crown. Yeah, that's what I meant. The Crown. <laughs> I think the Queen is a different kind of show. The Queen is different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, so it's it doesn't really surprise me that there uh, there's a podcast and there's an audience for the podcast, the yeah. after show of Dateline. Do you think that Mankey's Hankies is a real phenomenon? Is he trying to send us messages? I don't think it's a real thing, but I think it's great that. <laughs> Katie can really think that it is. Yeah. So, well, I'm I'm looking at their Facebook page and I and um, their profile picture is actually Keith Morrison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their little description about you know kind of their take on all this things around you are subtly changing. Your friends suddenly start describing you as loving life, full of life, or even the life of the party. <laughs> they start referring to your smile as lighting up a room and your laugh as contagious. And then one day, as you walk down your street, you see a man in a leather jacket, leaning, with a wise face and kind eyes. That man is Keith Morrison. (laughs) (laughs) And you have most likely been murdered. (laughs) The the writing on this is really good, and the way they talk about it is really clever, but also the way they write about it, I agree with Laura, is super funny and clever. Can you just read the podcast description for us? Kimberly and Katie are professional true crime TV experts with no formal training. (laughs) But evidence lockers filled with snark and uninformed opinions. Mm. Katie watches Dateline and hopes to learn how to prevent her new husband from murdering her for the life insurance money. <laughs> and Kimberly watches so she'll know what to say when Keith Morrison interviews her about her best friend Katie's murder. <laughs> I forget. So there's this Instagram account. And oh, yeah. Keith leans on things. It's not theirs, but it's a whole other meta thing. Uh, an Instagram account called Keith Morrison leans on things, which is apparently very popular. And it's just stills from Dateline NBC of Keith leaning on fences, leaning on tables, the things he leans on in Dateline. Um, so, Kevin, you know, question for you. I, you heard me ask Kim and Katie there to make their pitch. Was their pitch compelling? Do you think you will soon be making a weekly date with Dateline. I don't think I will be making a weekly date with Dateline. I'm just I'm just happy to know that it exists out there in the world. <laughs> that somebody has like taken these up are their stories, Law and Order podcast. Yeah, yeah, you know that someone has taken up the torch and it's burning bright, right. and hot. It's like hot enough to throw on a filet mignon from Butcher Box. <laughs> 
ButcherBox delivers healthy 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage-breed pork directly to your door. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so big box of meat, but it's way better than that. It is. I gotta say, it is like going to the butcher, except you don't have to go to the butcher. The butcher comes to you. Yeah, you choose from a a curated box that includes a mix of high-quality meats, or you can customize the box yourself. Whatever you choose, butcher box meats come from humanely raised animals that are never fed antibiotics, hormones, or fatty filters, and you really can taste the difference. Totally, so we got um, everything. We got everything: steaks, chops, chicken, everything. And there was like no meat glue. It was all delicious. Yeah. What did you do? You, you did the Alton Brown method for I those. I did. That's how, remember, that's how I burned my hand. It's not Butcher Box's fault because I made the um, steaks on a hot cast iron pan uh-huh. in the broiler. Uh-huh. Those were some good steaks. Those were fantastic. Mm-hmm. They were like restaurant quality steaks. The meat is outstanding from Butcher Box. It's you know, outstanding. Do you, do you it know does my... not taste like it came in the mail. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It it's very good. Even the finicky um, child in my house declared that it was excellent beef, and uh, that's saying something. Yep. <laughs> Toby, did you get to try the bacon? I did try the bacon. Oh. Was it and not I was amazing? Very pleased. Yeah. It, yes, it's really good. I yeah. made it in the oven. It's really good. Well, yeah, it's, that's how I make. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like yeah. I mean, it is. It's like I was going to say a cut above, but then it's like the don't. Sh- <laughs> uh, but it is. It, it's like it. It is better than what you get at your store. Right. Like definitely. Absolutely. Delivery is completely free, and you can choose. Your delivery frequency. All the meat is frozen at the peak of freshness in individual vacuum-packed, biodegradable packaging. And you'll even get recipe cards and tips on how to create quality meals in every box. Now, to get free bacon, free bacon. Free bacon. That's all you have to say, free bacon. It's really good, uncured, delicious free bacon. When you make it in your oven, it's delicious. Or in a pan, it's it's delicious. Free bacon. Yeah, free. And bacon. (laughs) <laughs> and $20 off your first box. Go to ButcherBox.com slash crime, crime and enter crime at checkout. Crime. That's ButcherBox.com slash crime, crime and enter crime for free bacon and $20 off your first box. Just do it. Can and then you, send me an email and tell me how much you like the meat because you're going to want it. Can you tell we liked the we meat did. from ButcherBox? What else you got, Kevin? Well, um, Valentine's Day is almost here. And you better not forget that, sir. No, I will not. In fact, I'm going to plan a, a little bit ahead. Okay. I'm going to go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Oh, nice. nice. That's a new sponsor, right? They are, right. Never had them before. No, 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 but they've got a fantastic deal. Are you ready okay. for this? Totally. Okay, if you order early, mm-hmm. right now, you can get 12 multicolored roses for only $19.99. That's a good deal. Or double it to 24 for only $10 more. That seems like a better deal. I mean, that's deal. like, do you know like how expensive flowers are I in do. February? No, you don't. How do I do that? How, how do, do I know? get Who that deal? Who do you deal? send flowers to? Uh, no one. How do I get that deal? How do you get the deal? I could start this year. <laughs> you could start right now. You love sending me flowers at work. You love it. You love it when you know that like the lady at the front desk has to like page me and tell me there's flowers at work. And then I have to go get the flowers and walk through the office with them, <laughs> put them on my desk. And then I tell you, thanks so much for the flowers. And then you make me recount the whole experience of me getting the phone call from the receptionist and having to go out. You love showing off like that, sending me flowers at work. I do. You love it. I do. Of course, you can always can send them to yourself, which is something you I could do. I may do that to have that experience myself. So you get these gorgeous bouquets of multicolored roses, perfect for a va- Valentine's Day surprise. The roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure freshness and her amazement. 
or your amazement. That's sexist. I'm going to send them to you. It'll be his amazement. <laughs> a dozen multicolored roses for only $19.99 or $24 for just $10 more. It's the perfect reward that deal? for ordering early. Well, if you stop stepping on me, I will tell you. <laughs> To get a dozen multicolored roses for $19.99 or upgrade to 24 multicolored roses, that's, by the way, two dozen, for $10 more, go to <laughs> 1-800-Flowers.com, then click the radio icon and enter code CRIME. CRIME! Don't settle for anything less than my rose authority, 1-800-Flowers.com, use code CRIME, crime. at checkout. Now, uh, before we move on to our review for this week, uh, Toby, just asking you, did Kim and Katie do a good enough pitch are you going to be making a date with Dateline anytime in the future? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> why not, Toby? I, why would I? Okay. What about you, Laura? Will you give Dateline a second look? It depends what the case is. My, my big problem is I'm old and uh, it's on at like 10 o'clock and mm. I fall asleep. <laughs> so maybe on demand. If it's a case I'm very interested in. I'll tell you, I don't plan to start making a date with Dateline any soon, but I did subscribe to the A Date with Dateline podcast. I don't feel like I need to have watched the show to appreciate the podcast. And we've put a link to Kim and Katie's podcast right in our show notes because if you're the kind of person who likes that kind of thing, you might like their show. So moving on, Netflix is at it again with yet another gripping series that got our attention. The German language series titled Dark. Young boys are vanishing from the town of Vinden, Germany, just as they did 33 years ago. A man who commits suicide leaves a letter for his mother that he says should not be opened before 1013 on November 9th. And in this town of Vinden, lights randomly go on and off and birds randomly fall from the sky, killed by some unseen force. So before we talk about the series Dark, we mentioned last week that Dark is a series that uh, the natural language for it, the original language is German, Mm -hmm. and Netflix defaults to playing it with English dubbing, and we highly recommend that you turn off the English dubbing by changing your audio settings, watch it in German with subtitles as someone who hates subtitles. I am telling you, it is the only way to watch this series. And the other note is there is no way to talk about Dark, even right off the bat, without giving away some big spoilers. So if you are the kind of person who doesn't want to watch something, if they've heard even a single thing about it, I will put in the show notes the timestamp where we're going to give our thumbs up or thumbs down review as to whether or not you should check out Dark. So let's give a moment of silence. People can going to have a chance to look there. Okay, here we go. Okay. Let's talk about Dark. First spoiler, it is a brand new take on the time travel genre, which uh, has multiple storylines. It amps up the drama around relationships, paradoxes, family, and fate. Now, science fiction, the genre of time travel is really, really hard. It's hard to do well. Toby, as somebody who writes in the fiction genre and somebody who has written like these novels that are fantastical and take place in sort of an alternate timeline slash universe... Why is time travel such a hard thing to do, and what makes it good on this show? I think the the thing with time travel is it's hard to imagine, like it's usually like a modern person either going into the future, which is a completely imagined future, or going back in time and then you know trying to figure out realistically how they would act and how people would react to them and stuff like that. And then there's always the question of like if you do something 
in the past, what's the impact on the future? Right. It's always kind of running into the same issues. Mm-hmm. And so what was the second part? Like, why did this one work so well? Well, I, I thought it did. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing that I thought they did very cleverly, I think they did a lot of things very cleverly, but one of them was that the actions that people take in the past to try and alter the future end up causing the future to be the way that it is. Right. Like you see things that are happening in 2019 and people who are going back to try and change those outcomes actually just set up the circumstances in which the things that happened in 2019 happen. Right. So I thought that was a that was clever and sort of made sense. Time is a flat circle. Right, Toby? (laughs) It it totally is. Now, kids and adults are strong themes in this show, uh, Kevin. There's um, the group of teenage kids in the present, in the 2019 present day. And then we see a group of teenagers who in the 1980s timeline, which I think those are the timelines that that show the most prevalently in, Mm -hmm. in the show. There are three actual timelines in the show, but those are the two they show the most. And the kids in the 80s we now are shown are the adults that we see in the 2019. So we have a gang of teens and a gang of adults in both timelines drawing inevitable comparisons to Stranger Things, right. to Stephen King novels. Right, yeah, yeah. Are I, those comparisons fair? I, I, I don't think that they're unfair. I just don't think that they're accurate. It, it's more like Lost mm. to me. Germans have a reputation, warranted or not, for being kind of dour. Mm -hmm. And so this seems very German to me. You know, maybe we say it's a German Stranger Things. It's it's because it's a lot more serious and bleak. What epitomizes that is the idea that a boy has gone missing. And in order to cheer everybody up in town, the boy's sister will go and play a girl who lost her brother in a cave oh, and died. The school play must the school go play, on. The school the play was gone. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's not, the most depressing school play ever. It's not like they were doing Bye Bye Birdie and everyone was going to like feel great. It's <laughs> yeah. like no, we're going to do this very sad tragedy <laughs> that you know the girl most affected by it is going to be g- delivering these lines. Right, right. Like oh yeah, that cheered everybody up. That's that was, right. it seemed really ah. German to me. Yes, it is very German. But do you think the comparison to Stranger Things is fair? I don't think it, I'd say I don't think it's unfair. I just don't think it's apt. No. Laura, what do you think about that comparison that everyone is making that this is like the Stranger Things of this year on, on Netflix? Is that fair? You know, in the beginning, like the first episode or two, I was like, oh, this is like Stranger Things, but more adult like. But then as it got going, it, I, I loved Stranger Things, but this was so much better. Mm. And the plot was so much more intricate to me. And so much you really had to pay attention. At one point, I was like, God, I need to have a piece of paper so I can draw a flow chart here trying to keep up with everything. So I think for me, this, you know, went to a different level than Stranger Things, because it was just a different it was more plotted to me like a novel right. than a TV show, right. in terms of just the intricacies of the people and what was happening and who was doing what. But you know, in the beginning, you're like, okay, power. Power plant, kids, um, yeah, okay. Mysterious fence. Creepy, creepy music, um, people missing. We don't know where they are. Are they in the underground? No, they're not in the underground. But, you know, after the first couple episodes, to me, the comparison really, it wasn't the same at all. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And one of my favorite things about Dark is that there is not a ton of exposition, either in dialogue or in like showing scenes. I think there's a great example of that. Well, first of all, the main example of that is that, you know, we are shown 
that the kids we see in 1986 turn into the adults we see in 2019. And they don't tell us that, but they show us with this wall of photos that Mm -hmm. basically ties people together. And like you as the viewer have to figure that out, like in like a 10 second shot, you have to figure it out. Um, But the another great example of that is that there is the storyline where we have a married couple in the present, 2019, uh, Ulrich and Katerina. He is a police detective, and she's the principal of the school. And then we see them as a couple when they were teenagers in high school in the 80s. And first of all, can we just say the casting of the kids and then the adult version of the kids yeah, good, is good incredible yeah. mm-hmm. in this show. It's so, so good. But there's this little plot line where you know they're a couple in the 80s in high school and some troublemaking person, which we'll talk about in a minute, sets up a situation where Ulrich is accused of raping Katerina and it causes trouble for him. That whole plot line, it's like they tell us it happened. They give us a quick scene about it happened, but they don't do a whole episode about like, and then there was the time where the police came to Ulrich's house and they got the bad news. And like they just don't go down those side plots that I think a more traditional TV story would do. I mean, Toby, do you agree with me that they're just like so light on exposition here that it really makes you have to pay attention? Right, right. And then you like in that that the older cop has got it in for young Ulrich and like he he doesn't like him and it's not really clear why until later. And you see that the adult Ulrich has gone back in time and then run into the cop when he was younger and it's thought to be this child murderer so that somehow the cop, when he gets older and experiences this guy who he knew as an adult now as a child is able to make that connection and is sort of inherently suspicious of him, mm-hmm. even though I don't think he, he realizes it's the same person, but there's something about him that, that obviously at least subconsciously reminds him of this child killer that he ran into 33 years before. The whole thing is really clever. And, there's so many things that you're wondering about as the the show's progressing, and then there's like an explanation. They they don't like spell it out for you necessarily, but they show you enough that you can draw that conclusion yourself. One of the advantages to doing it with subtitles rather than dubbing is that you do have to pay attention. Like I think if you don't pay attention, you could still enjoy it, but you wouldn't get all of the sort of little things that, that I thought made it so great. It certainly made Rebecca have to put her phone down so that she could watch TV. <laughs> it's and true. Focus on one screen for once. And I don't like doing but, that, but I loved doing it with this. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that really makes it clever, you, you, you know, you, when you you look at a science fiction thing, and it's like, okay, time travel is going to be involved in it. What's new? What haven't I seen? And usually, you know, Toby's right, you go forward or you jump back, but you usually jump back to sort of the same particular place. This one has like two different places to mm-hmm. go. So you so right, so you have the three generations interwoven. 1953 or 1986. Right. And so uh, you know, it like loop the loops between what happens in one, how it affects the other and going back and going way back. And so it it gives you like more things to play with. But it also uh, you know, you always have to sort of gloss over like, you know, it has to be like some sort of explanation just to, you know as to why does this happen? It's like, okay, black hole, nuclear power plant, okay, that's enough, uh, I guess. I'm really not going to debate the science of it because, you, you, you know... But is a nuclear power plant? Because as we see in the show, there's some time travel that happens before the nuclear power plant was there. Well, people arrive there. That's right. Who knows? 
because it's it's all a paradox and it's all happened before. It's a flat circle. It's a flat circle. <laughs> it's a flat circle. So I think that, that that was kind of you know was was a little different. Was that instead of you just jumping to one place, that these three places are all interconnected. Right. At least three places. Yeah. Well, it also is about a place, uh, Vinden, the town. And uh, Laura, you sent a note saying this sort of a theme in the show about the moral decay of a place. Can you talk about that? You know, watching the show, I mean, I think a lot of the characters were pretty unlikable. And it seemed like as the time travel theme starts to play out and you start to watch people going forwards and backwards and trying to change things, you just start to see people doing things that they normally wouldn't have done. People that started out as you thought good people ending up in situations where they're suddenly compromised and doing things that are no longer, you know, ethical, no longer, you know, it's just, but it's, it's like, I think at one point, somebody in the show described the town as like, what did they say, like a cancer or something. I mean, it was just, and so you watch, you know, certain characters, even characters that started out like the boyfriend of Ulrich's daughter. And in the beginning, he seems like kind of a nice guy. Um, He's nice to his friend that's just gotten out of the um, mental hospital and he's being nice. And then as the show progresses, and you find out, who his family connections are, who his grandmother is, and then in the end, um, without getting too much into the spoilers, who he ends up forming an allegiance with. And then you have the cop, Ulrich, who, you know, you think is is really straight up and, and ethical. And as his son disappears, he ends up, you know, doing this just that was probably the worst scene from that was one scene where I like actually looked away and went, Oh, my God, I can't believe I, <laughs> oh, just the sound effects on yeah. that one. Yeah. You know, he ends up going back and committing this horrible assault on somebody that you just can't even believe. And he he's almost like an animal. Right. It's sort of that that moral decay of this town that occurs as they're trying to exploit sort of the natural course of time. Well, I think my favorite example, well, I have two favorite examples of that. Um, I love the character of Katarina, who in the present day is a school principal. And then we see her in flashbacks in 1986. And that timeline is the worst, just like a horrible, horrible teenage bully who literally beats people up. But I think to me, the most interesting character in the show and the one that just without doing a lot with her is Hannah, who at the beginning of the show we see as the mistress of Ulrich, who is the mom, the single mom, the widow of the uh, guy who killed himself. And you sort of feel bad. She's in a house with no power. She's like the masseuse to the executives at the nuclear power plant. And then as you sort of see her jump back and forward, back and forth, you see all of this timeline stuff, you realize and, and sort of see the way she behaves, she might actually be the the real villain in this whole thing. And I think that is, Kevin, you're giving me the skeptical look, but I have a theory about that, which I don't want to... Well, then then spill the theory then. Well, she marries Ulrich's son, who went back in time and grew up in the old timeline. I think that she knew that she was marrying Ulrich's son. I think she did that on purpose. That's my theory. Oh, I think you're right. She's obsessed with him. She's obsessed yeah, with Ulrich. Yeah, that, uh-huh. that makes sense. That's just my theory. That's my theory. I'm throwing it out there. That's a good one, Rebecca. Toby, this whole theme about like uh, the new, the nuclear power versus like the old way. There's a lot of that in this show. And nuclear energy being like the big one because the towers kind of loom over the town. How much of this really is about the industrial versus the natural, that theme we see over and over and over again in sort of post-industrial revolution literature? That's an interesting question. And I don't know, other than 
you know, it definitely sort of has, it's like haunted by Chernobyl, right? Mm, yep. I mean, that's the big concern. And then there's, they're basically storing radioactive waste in barrels in a cave. Uh, in a truck. Which isn't good. <laughs> Literally, yeah. 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 So I guess, I guess there is some of that, but I think it's also, it's Germany rebuilding after World War II mm -hmm. when it was reduced to rubble, you know, and it's like, what's the future going to look like here? Mm -hmm. And nuclear power seeming you know, is the future, right. you know, I, I mean, at the time it must have seemed super futuristic that, you know, you, it had only been, was it 1945 or 1946 when the bombs were dropped that mm -hmm. it was even like kind of the public knew the potential of the power, right. like in that case, destructive, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that there was, there was definitely some of that, you know, there's sort of, there's also sort of a science and philosophy right. aspect to things like that book they keep passing around. It's sort of a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. And that's how they're kind of approaching it is that there's this thing that happens that, you know, has a scientific explanation sort of where every 33 years, like all the, you know, galaxy is all aligned the same way that was exactly 33 years ago for this one brief moment. But then there's a lot of sort of philosophical stuff about it's like the usual thing about what happens when you try and change the past, but I think they sort of approach it in a pretty smart way and in ways in which they kind of bring it up where there's there's sort of a lot at stake. Right. Now, you had one detail that you had a question about. You emailed me today, that little tiny door. Uh, what was your problem with that? <laughs> I didn't really have a problem with that other than I wasn't really sure when it was put in there and who did it. And it has the same symbol that the cover of that book that keeps getting passed around. Yep. And then at one point, a little yappy dog... <laughs> Like goes all the way through the tunnel, and how did the dog I open the like, door? Like, guess is that is that he probably can't open a door like that. So I maybe it wasn't there in the fifties. So anyway, I mean, it's not like a big deal in the plot or whatever. But when it was over, us, I, I was talking to my son, and we, we we sort of binge watched most of it together. And I was like, when did that door get put in? <laughs> like, and if and if it was like at the beginning, when did that? How did that dog get through? Right. Right. I think that, there, again, there are, there are a lot of great parallels to Lost and this idea of uh, fate and whether you can control it or not or whether it controls you. There were a bunch of sort of, I guess you could call them loose ends, that I kept waiting for them to be resolved and, f and to plug into the larger puzzle. And when they didn't, I was kind of left, oh, well, what's up with that? And to find out that there is going to be a season two, which I don't think we've mentioned, made me feel like, oh, okay, great. So it left some stuff to be explored the next time around. Right. Like the things about, we have this one daughter who's deaf. Uh-huh. And we also know that whatever it is that's knocking these birds out of the sky is some sort of sound thing that that affects their eardrums. Well, it's a sound thing that happens, yeah. So I, I, I'm thinking like, oh, this girl's deafness is going to play some sort of role in figuring out because all of a sudden it's like she's the control subject, right? It's like, is it, this isn't going to affect her. Well, she was taken, but, but then never, she came back. Take it, right. It was like a weird thing with Noah. Okay, that was a fake out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this priest shows up. And is the priest Noah or is Noah somebody? Noah is the priest. Noah is the priest. He says, call me Noah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Literally. Uh, we don't see him, but, you know, till towards the end. Which is and, weird. But he seems to be like somehow a... Uh, uh, you know, a devil here. Yeah. Remember, the name of the show is Dark. And he talks about how there's the dark and the light. 
he believes that they are in the light, doing right the right things, even though it may seem like they're doing bad things. Which is what the devil the, always says. Which is always what the devil says, right? <laughs> um, so I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to season two because it didn't like you know I, I guess the term is you know it didn't blow its whole load, right? Right, there. right. Well, I <laughs> I had mixed feelings about the whole use of a priest. As the maybe bad guy that I mean, we saw this sort of unnamed, unseen figure doing bad things to kids throughout the show, like Mm -hmm. locking them in that room with the weird fox wallpaper and then putting them in that thing that looked like an electric chair. I think there was a huge fake out where it could have been the guy with the hood who turns out to be. Well, we'll get to that in a second. I could have been um, the guy with the cauliflower ear. But no, it turns out to be this (laughs) whole brand new character that they sort of introduced like what in the second to last episode. That was one of the things that didn't quite work for me. What did you think about the creepy priest, Laura? I, I'm not even so sure he's a priest. I think that's no, a he's cover. not a priest. <laughs> like, really? He's, yeah, I'm like, I, I think he's just like <laughs> fucking creepy. But uh, you know, I still don't think that. I mean, who whoever was doing the experiments, I I think there was a couple people, and I think what's the guy Helge? Helga? Helga? Yeah, I think that Helga was more involved in like actually carrying out the experiments. But um, I thought that you know Noah was an interesting character, but I. Think I think almost the suggestion of Noah to me was better than actually seeing who Noah was because when they were actually referring to him it was actually scarier for me Mm. when they were like Noah it's Noah and the little girl the little deaf girl's like oh I got this from my new friend Noah you know and she signs that out and that to me I was like "Ooh, this is you know because with the creepy music and everything I'm like oh this is going to be creepy and then I'm like oh I mean he definitely played the role of a villain well but there was something about the mystery of what he looked like right like Jacob on Lost, who just turned out right. to be Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought Noah, like, was a he was the husband of the woman who moves into the boarding house in 1953. Oh, you're right. He yeah. was that guy. Yes. He, yes. He, was, he was a priest who didn't believe in God. Right, right. And he like said burned he was his a kid with cigarettes. Right, 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 right. So well, he's the grandfather of Ulrich. Well, let's talk yes. about that. Yeah. It is extremely hard. I think it's fair to say, and Toby, I'm just going to speak for you. I know this is true of Laura because she told me. I know it was true of me and Kevin because I watched it with him. Sometimes you have to pause the show and be like, oh yeah, that's that person and that's that person and that. Like You have to remind, and they, the show does give you cues, but it's a little bit of work. Right, Toby? Yeah, like you could definitely, if knowing what I know now, it might have made sense to have like a piece of paper and like just... <laughs> And a bunch kind of, of write down yeah. what the what the family trees are for these things. Laura found a flow chart online, by the way, that we should post on our our post for this. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> but it in, was very in a, helpful. In 2019, there's two or three guys who are like kind of old, like poorly shaven, white haired men. Right. Mm-hmm. It just got to a point where it's like, is this the good old man or is it the bad old man? <laughs> That's right. There were two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the very few things that wasn't quite perfect about it you know is that is that there were times when it was like wait who's this guy again but compared to all the things that were so great about it 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 was like a fairly minor and i think the good old man i think you're thinking about ulrich's dad versus the dad of the husband of the police chief who was the bad old man i think the good old man we don't really know that much about at this point. but i agree it was confusing well i like the part that we're and i'm going to call it the uh the michael j fox back to the future paradox yes which is uh, if you do X, then you're going to vanish yourself from existence. Right. Which was or end up having sex with a relative. Or right. <laughs> 
<laughs> which was the Jonas paradox yes. in this, where he wants to rescue, rescue his yeah. his father, but if he does bring it, you know, little Mickle back to his family, he won't have a father, and he'll just vanish. You know, and then part of us supposed to believe, like, well, he's never successful at that because he just wouldn't be there. He exists. That he exists. Right. Also, the the thing when Ulrich goes back to 1953 and he beats young uh, Helga with uh, a rock. Now, we know he didn't kill him. He thought he killed him. It sure seemed like it killed him. It sure seemed like it. <laughs> but he also seemed to be under the impression that the instant he did that, all of a sudden the world would reboot you know, as opposed to, well, you have to go live the next 80 years and then it right. fix it. it just, but, but that's part of like, you know, what they've embraced is that the contradictory nature of trying to change time. Right. And that, yeah, this is a paradox. I, the, the watch guy was good because he, he explained it. And he didn't explain it in the first episode. And you just kind of went along and tried to figure out what's happening. But it's sort of at the right time he came along and threw some of the theoretical science about why this cave works. I thought the, the show was like had a very sort of deterministic view of human action I agree. as opposed to free will. Despite the fact that people thought that they were doing what they wanted to do or felt like they had to do, it was exactly the thing that had to happen for the history to play out the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a couple of quick questions from Facebook. That I just want to do a quick round robin on to answer quickly. Um, Ashley Kent, did the fact that the characters are almost universally unlikable lessen your enjoyment of the show? I'm going to go first. Say no. For me, strong no. I think they're unlikable because of what happens in the show. Laura, what do you think? Yes or no on that? Uh, no. It's like Unhappy Valley. Um, you know. <laughs> There was a lot of horrible characters. That was a really good show. What about you, Toby? Yes or no on the unlikable characters lessening enjoyment of the show? It didn't lessen my enjoyment at all. And I thought actually the fact that all the characters were somewhat complex and had good and bad sides to them mm-hmm. just made the story richer. What about you, Kevin? Yes or no? No, it didn't, it, it didn't uh, lessen my enjoyment of it. I, I think most of the characters weren't so much mean as they were sad. Right. All right. So second question. Uh, this is from Megan on Facebook. She says, can we please talk about the music? I'm only a few episodes in, but boy, it feels a bit much. Kevin, what do you think about the music and the sound design? And also the at the end of every scene, what do you think? I like the uh, the 80s soundtrack. Uh, yes, I will say that uh, the subwoofer made some plates uh, shake mm. over our glasses shake on the bar. Mm. So yeah, good work on the subwoofer. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's I, I think it's sort of that whole Inception Blade Runner kind of soundtrack where you're just supposed to you know feel the the disconcerting rumbling uh, all around you. What do you think, Toby? Music, yay or nay? Uh, yeah. What about you, Lara? Yes, and I also liked the addition of all the 80s music when we went back to the 80s. Me too, and I know that I complained about like a heavy-handed soundtrack and something we talked about last week. This is an example for me of when texturally it works, and it's mixed well, so it works. And I loved how at the end of the episode there was a big, like, remember that skit on Saturday Night Live? This is the time where we like to dance. Yes. There's like a big, at the end of every episode, like, nch, 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 I think. I loved it. Um, Final question. End of the series, there are two big reveals. The end of uh, season one of Dark. Again, if you don't want to hear the spoiler, look at the time code right now and fast forward to that. Well, the spoiler, what the hell are you listening for right here? I know. Two big reveals. <laughs> Jonas is the guy in the hood. And then we have the second big reveal where we see a 33 years in the future landscape. I love the Jonas reveal. It's the only adult casting that doesn't look like the kids. So it was a huge surprise. 
I hated yeah. the view of the future for me. It for me it was sort of like, oh The view of the future or the idea that the story's gonna go into the future. I don't think they need to go in the future. I think the view of the future was very sort of typical, post apocalyptic, blah blah blah, blah yeah. blah blah, drones over that. I didn't love it, it took me out of the texture of it a little bit. But I will be hopeful that they will do something with it. Laura, what did you think of those two big reveals? Um, I was waiting for that reveal of who Jonas was. It was driving me crazy. And I and I started to kind of think, maybe it's him. I'm like, no, maybe it's not. Maybe it's somebody from the future. Maybe it's like his son that's come back to help. You know, John I started, Connor. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I, the ending, I mean, I understand they're setting it up for season two. So I understand why it went there. But for me, I was a little like, ah. Oh, because I had invested so much and I was like really hoping that somebody's efforts were going to pay off. So I was hoping for a little bit different ending, but it was appropriate for the situation. What do you think, Toby, of those two reveals at the end there? I'd actually, I, I kind of thought that that guy was going to end up being Jonas because I'd sort of like ticked away every other like possibility, mm. it seemed like. So that wasn't like a huge surprise. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of felt the same way you did about the sort of like post-apocalyptic thing in the future. And I really hope that's not where they're going with the next season. Yeah. Because I kind of feel like that stuff is always kind of disappointing. Kevin, did you like the uh, twists? What do you think? Yeah. I, you know, eventually we figure out that uh, every kid... Uh, is an adult, and every adult... Is no one moves away from this town. Yeah, right, yeah. When, if, that, when that poor young girl was like, I'm going to take all my money and leave, I was like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're if you, not ha- if you haven't figured out who the kid version of that adult is already, then and vice versa, then it's coming up. It'll They'll, they'll eventually be there. I liked that idea. I don't know necessarily how I feel about like the future being this uh, nuclear winter and this, you know, the Wolverines... Wolverines uh, <laughs> and the giant drone and the giant over. drone. Fly. I don't know how I feel about that, but if you think about it, it's been the whole time travel thing has been set up that it's we're we're looping between these three time periods, and there's nothing you can do to change that. And all of a sudden, Jonas comes out in a fourth place where he's not supposed to be, right? And that sort of it, it breaks a wall. All right. Well, I think we've tipped our hand a little bit, but let's go around the horn real quick uh, without spoiling anything. Let's try to do that. Uh, let our listeners know, Laura Bricker, should they check out the German series Dark on Netflix? Thumbs up or thumbs down, Laura Bricker? Super two thumbs up. I've already been recommending it to like everybody I've seen this week. And I even got Fireman Ken to watch it and he won't watch anything I watch. And he also really liked it. By the way, you always say that. And then you always say, except for this one time, he watched it with me. I know. <laughs> I think Fireman Ken is more flexible than you think he is. Toby, what about yeah, okay. you? Thumbs up or thumbs down for the German series Dark on Netflix? Uh, I think that's this is about as enjoyable uh, a show as I've watched in a long, long time. So huge thumbs up. I totally agree. I have talked to everyone that I've seen in person, at work, on the street, at the dentist office mm-hmm. about this show. Definitely check out Dark on Netflix. Watch it in German with English subtitles. Even if you think you hate subtitles, do it. Two huge thumbs up for me. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm a, a big thumbs up as well. Um, with Toby, it's enjoyable. It's an adult show. It's There's a lot of drama and pathos in it. Sex. There is some sex. But if you've got like, mature teenagers, you can watch it with You can still watch it with sure. them. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I and you know, I think it makes your uh, it makes your mind work a it little does. bit. It does, it does. So that's good. I'm a, I'm a thumbs up. It's a, uh, it's a fresh take on a, on a, you know, an old genre. Yep. And, you know, just like Hello Fresh delivers fresh meals. <laughs> Not an old genre? Not an old genre. Wow. <laughs> just to old people like you and me. Yes, yes. Hello Fresh is a. It delivers them to young people if that's they true. so choose. Th- right. There are no age requirements for Hello Fresh. 
You just need a place for them to drop off the meal kit that comes with step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. No more. Can I ask them to deliver it to that little door in the cave below my house? <laughs> <laughs> right. Ship it back. Yeah, and all of a sudden somebody in 1953 yes, is going to... enjoying a delicious meal from HelloFresh. You'd be like, what is this? Well, it's uh, the classic meal from <laughs> 1986. Yes. The veggie yep. from 2019. Yes. And uh, the family meal, we're going to send that down to the folks in 1953. 1953. Yes, yes. Uh, So there's something for everyone, whether you're a time traveler or not. Laura, you made a meal uh, from HelloFresh very recently. Tell us about how your family enjoyed it. I did. Um, And it was great because it was a week. It was a super busy week. I didn't have time to do anything. And I had um, something I wouldn't have normally put together as a combination, but it was really delicious. It was uh, flatbreads and they had um, chicken sausage Mm. and zucchini on them. Yeah, we had that too. And it was a really tasty combination. Very big portions. Um, I had plenty left for lunch the next day. And it it took me like 15 minutes to make. So it was definitely um, easy. The recipe cards are very nice and bright and easy to follow. And their packaging has changed since the last time that I, I used HelloFresh, and um, it's much easier to recycle now, which I know is a thing a lot of people are always you know commenting about, and now it comes in big paper bags. You can just throw them away or burn them in the fire like I did. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, and then I had also some delicious um, pancetta and cauliflower mac and cheese that mm, was also quite tasty. Yeah. It's good to know that HelloFresh keeps you warm on the inside and outside. That's right. <laughs> For $30 yes. off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter code CRIME30 30. 30. for $30 <laughs> off. That's HelloFresh.com. Offer code CRIME30, CRIME30 for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. What else you got, Kevin? Well, support for today's show comes from Mission U. What's that? Offering a modern take on higher education that's uniquely immersive, collaborative, and efficient. Mission U is a full-time, one-year commitment that partners with real-world companies like Spotify, Lyft, Uber, Warby Parker to inform their curriculum. Instructors are industry experts and course material is based on real company data sheets, so everything is applicable to the real world. 20% of the program is comprised of in-person networking and skill development, and 80% is a live virtual classroom session. Students are also matched with their own mentor to help them succeed personally and professionally. In trimester one, you focus on developing collaboration, critical thinking, and communication skills. Then in trimester two, the emphasis is on technical skills and working with real data sets. And then finally, in trimester three, students partner with companies for internships and receive job search support. In the end, you walk away with a debt-free future, a resume full of relevant experience, the foundation for a successful career, and lifetime access to the Mission U network. So to learn more about Mission U, enter in $500 upon completion of your full year program. Go to missionu.com slash crime. That's Mission U, M-I-S-S. I-O-N-U, the letter U, dot com, slash crime. Crime. To learn more and earn $500 when you complete the full year-long program. Now it's time to move on to her part of this podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the the week. You have never seen his face, but you do know who David Joyner is. For many years, he was the guy inside the suit of Barney the Dinosaur. <laughs> now, that show's been off the air for a while, but Joyner has a brand new gig. He is a tantric sex coach. <laughs> Vice reports that for $350, 
a woman will get three to four hours of ritual baths, chakra balancing, and, quote, mind-blowing orgasms with Joyner. He only takes <laughs> women that. clients who he calls goddesses. He says the therapy <laughs> helps women reach their feminine energy. Now, other tantric coaches are disturbed. They say channeling tantric energy doesn't need to happen with your clothes off. Lawyers are also dubious of Joyner's practices. Not only is he getting it in with his professional clients, <laughs> but they're also paying him to have sex with them. It just goes to show that for the right price, he will love you and you will love him. Oh, my God. How much is it? $350 to have sex with this freak who used to wear a purple dinosaur costume. But you get $30 off wow. with promo code PRIME. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, panel. Oh, boy. We were shocked. Shocked, I say, to learn that the guy in the Barney suit was now charging money to be a tantric sex coach, a.k.a. just a male prostitute. I guess so. What other revelations from the world of kids TV may soon be revealed? Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. God, I have no idea, honestly. I mean, the only one that keeps coming to my head is Caillou. That really, <laughs> like, obnoxious. I I hated Caillou. I have kid. like PTSD when I hear his voice because my son used to watch it. Um, but he was a cartoon, so I'm not really sure what's going to happen with him. So I don't Mommy, know. Maybe something with Rosie the Teletubbies. Rosie threw up on me. <laughs> Caillou was going to school. I'm like, oh fucking. <laughs> Shut up, Caillou. Um, God, I hated him. What about you, Toby? What do you think the next big revelation could be from a kids' TV show? You know, I got to tell you, I found this to be a very disturbing question. Yeah, yeah, me too. It took me to, it took me to some very dark places. Mm-hmm. So, so rather than go in that direction, I was thinking more sort of self improvement. Yep. From some of them. Yep. And I would like point my finger at like Winnie the Pooh, Yogi Bear. Boo boo to get some pants. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that would be shocking. They spend a lot of time like walking around with like shirts or ties and no pants. They are in the workplace too. And kids are watching it. So right. seriously. Well, my revelation, I was thinking about this and I actually have like a, a trio of revelations. I think, you know, how, like, uh-huh. bad news always breaks in threes. Yeah. I think Tinky Winky the Teletubby is going to turn out to be straight. Oh, okay. Surprise. Oh. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog is going to be a Dog, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Raw dog. Yeah, and like Oscar the Grouch, he's the walrus. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought the walrus was Paul. Wow. But... Uh, what about you, Kevin? What do you think is the next big news story to break from a children's television character? Okay, we're going to find out that Captain Kangaroo got his name because he knows how to navigate your wonder pocket. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> For my God's sakes. We need to end it on that note. Laura Bricker, before we wrap up the show, do we have a cat of the week this week? Um, we don't have a cat. We have some chickens. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Nicole Jaskowitz, she's a fellow New Englander. I'm not sure where she is. Um, her chickens had a little march last weekend out in their chicken pen, and they all had little signs, poultry rights or hens rights. <laughs> And then it said, everyone is welcome in this coop. Nice. Yeah, and it's and it's very cute. So she's got lots of chickens. She's out in the snow. And it, it took some effort to get those signs with those chickens. So, um, you know, after the cold snap, I'm glad to see they're still alive. Butcher Box <laughs> is going to be giving her a call. <laughs> Do the chickens wear, like, tiny little pink hats with cat ears on them for little hens march? Um, I don't see any little pink hats. They just have their little signs stuck up in front of them that say, the sky is falling 
My eggs, my choice. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Well, and my ancestors were dinosaurs. Fact. Hashtag. <laughs> very, very, very good. Laura Bricker, if people want to submit their cats slash dogs slash chickens slash please dogs of the week to you for consideration for cat of the week, what is the best way to reach you besides emailing us at crimewriterson at gmail.com? How can they find you online? At Laura Bricker on Twitter. And Toby Ball, if our listeners want to reach out to you and perhaps explore with you the endless world of possibilities that opens up when Winnie the Pooh wears pants, how can they find you on Twitter? At Toby Ball and H. And Kevin Flynn, if listeners want to reach you on Twitter, how can they find you? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. You can also check out my show, HGTV and Me. Next week's episode is a very special one featuring my favorite 16-year-old line editor, Henry Lavoy. You can tweet to our show at Crime Writer on, join the fine folks on the official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group or leave a comment on our regular old Facebook page. Go to our website to sign up for our newsletter, to buy swag, and subscribe now to get exclusive ad-free content from our team at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. Leave a review for this show on Apple Podcasts if you love it. And of course, tell a friend. Line production will no longer be done by the very handsome Henry Lavoie as he is leaving for four months to serve as a page in the United States Senate. Yeah! Congratulations. We will miss wow. you, Henry. Good Our job. theme song for the show was performed by Rocksteady Freddy and the New York Ska Jazz Ensemble. And this show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Studio, yeah. formerly known as Studio C, but really it's just a closet in our basement where I plan to secretly join the cult of Keith Morrison. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Kevin, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I had a bowl of Apple Jacks. Ooh, for real? For real. I'm so glad someone's eating those. <laughs> and then I had another bowl of Apple Jacks. Two bowls of Apple Jacks? Yeah. <laughs> that stuff's really good for you. Madison Reed. It's the hair color that's revolutionizing the way women color their hair with gorgeous, gorgeous salon quality, multi-dimensional hair color delivered to your door on your, your schedule. Door. Join the hundreds of thousands of women just like me, like you, who have tried and who love, love. Madison Reed. Visit madison-reed.com and get ten percent off, plus free shipping on your first color kit. But you have to use the promo code. Crime Writers. Oh, is that new? That's a new code. Yes, it's a new code. Thank crime. you for not yelling for a second and responding. It is a new code. Crime Writers. Crime Writers. With one a, word. With a new w. code. Madison-Reed.com and use the promo code Crime, crime writers. writers. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.